Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. So it is my honor, uh, Pastor Gilbert and I, we've been talking about this series, as I said, for, for a while. And I've wanted to have him to come and, and preach here in our church because I've had the opportunity to go over to Meek's Chapel once already. But I'm thankful that he's able to join us here this morning. And uh, Pastor Gilbert, if you stand up, I'd like to pray for you real quick, and then I'll, I'll turn it all over to you. So let us pray together. Dear God, we thank you for the grace of friendship and for the opportunity to, to, to share that friendship in, in ways that builds up the kingdom of God. So, Lord, we just pray that you pour out your Holy Spirit on our brother here, Pastor Gilbert. And as he proclaims your word, open our hearts and minds to see you and open our actions to welcome others. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Take away, brother. Thank you, Pastor. It's such an honor and a privilege, as we say, I'm hyena happy and peacock proud to be able to stand up before you all today. Um, to Pastor Chris and his lovely wife and family, to my, my wife and family in their absence at this moment due to some a little bit of uh, illness there, and to, uh, of course, your bishop, to my bishop, my presiding elder, uh, presiding elder um, Burgess, Tyronda Burgess, and her wonderful husband, Lish Burgess, Reverend Lish, and to my bishop, Bishop Vashti Murphy McKenzie, and her husband, Stan McKenzie, I greet you in Jesus' joy from the North Texas Conference of the African Methodist Church. Amen. So we are brothers and sisters. Amen. And that's what we're here to talk about today. Amen. So if you have your word, or I don't know if y'all put the scripture up on the screen, if you want, you can in Philemon chapter 1, which is the only chapter. I almost said I would make a joke and say, turn to Philemon chapter 5 and see how many would try. <laughs> then you would know who's reading their Bible and who's not. I remember at church, somebody said, turn to Hezekiah chapter 13, and there was a lot of people trying to do that. For some of you that don't know, it, it's not a book in the Bible. <laughs> Praise the Lord, everybody. <laughs> Amen. But we will be in Philemon chapter 1. And very, very, as Pastor said, um, critical piece of scripture that um, I guess growing up, I didn't hear a lot of sermons on it. And even today, I don't hear a lot. Um, everybody goes to Psalms and Romans and Matthew, you know, once in a while, Luke or John. But... Uh, Corinthians maybe, but Philemon is one of those little teeny-weeny tucked-in-there things that was written by Paul the Apostle in prison, and uh, it's a touchy book, very touchy. So we're going to be very politically incorrect today and see how the Holy Spirit helps us with that. Amen. And Philemon chapter 1, the only chapter, starting at verse 1, just follow along with me if you will. Paul, a prisoner of 
Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother. Somebody say brother. brother. To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. Also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier. And to the church that meets in your home. Verse 3, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And skip on down with me, if you will, down to verse 8. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, verse 9, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul it is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Somebody say chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. I would have you, I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Verse 15. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, somebody say slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you both as a fellow man and as a brother. Somebody say brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. So the Old Testament scripture that I want us to be mindful of as we talk about Brotherly love is found in Amos chapter 5. Martin Luther King Jr. penned a letter that utilized a portion of this scripture as he was appealing to his fellow brothers and sisters of another color. Amen. In Amos chapter 5, starting at verse 21, it reads thus, I hate, I despise your religious Festivals. Somebody say religious. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice roll on or roll down like a river, and righteousness like a never-failing or unending stream. 
For a moment, I want us to ponder the thought, brotherly love reaches across all lines. And for a subtopic, brotherly love is a little bit blind. Brotherly love is a little bit blind. Let us bow. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We praise you. We worship you. We adore you. We lift you up, for thou art worthy to be praised. And Lord, hide me behind your cross, and let the folks that are your children, your saints, your sons, your daughters, that are here before me, that I take not lightly the opportunity to stand before, to proclaim your word to them. Let them, O oh God, see you as you hide me behind your cross, and let them see you only. And Father God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O oh Lord, my rock, our rock, and our redeemer. And the people of God said in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Brotherly love reaches across all lines, or brotherly love is somewhat blind. When we think about brotherly love. We think about a type of love that allows us to interact or integrate or to connect with each other in a way like a brother or a sister. We think about that kind of a love. We think about the vulnerability of the whole word brother or sister. You're vulnerable. When you're young, growing up, if you're a brother, you can remember your sister would always make fun of you. Maybe she'd run across your underwear after you came back from the football game and said, you guys, men are so nasty. Amen. Brothers, sisters, brothers and sisters. It's a very vulnerable term. You have to learn to be open when you talk about being a brother or a sister. My sister and I used to get into it. I tell you, we used to get into it. If she wanted to go and play with her friends, I could go to the park. But if she did not want to go play with her, play with her friends, guess who had to stay home? And of course, you know, I was very gentle in how I encouraged her to go play with her friends. <laughs> I won't use words from the pulpit I did when I was a young kid, so... Brothers and sisters have a way of interacting with each other, right? You can call your sister or your brother just about anything, but don't you let your friend call her the same thing, amen? That's reserved for me, you know. Uh, yeah, no, don't talk, don't talk to her that way. Am I right? There are things that you can say in your own household that you just, no, that's not the way it's going to work. Brothers, sisters. We're brothers and sisters. And I know my brother here with the suit on, if he sees me out here, he's going to protect me. Because he has a suit on. But he's also my brother. And I've met him before. We've talked. And he's ministered to me in a way that I know if he had no suit on, <laughs> he's still going to treat me like a brother. What does it mean that brotherly love reaches across all lines when we are talking about brotherly love? 
It's very interesting when we think about Black History. Thank you for having a Black History Month um, event time. I know it sounds kind of like cliche-ish. And I was hoping to hear her say, thank you for being here during Black History Month. I'll throw that out at you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But it's, a, it's a time to reflect on what has happened within the culture that has been brought to these shores that are now integrated in with your culture, whatever culture. We're all from a different background, and many of us couldn't trace our family tree if we had a paper and the pen and the dots. We still couldn't do it because we've got so much mixture. Amen? Unless you, unless you think you don't. Um, the Bible has four women in Jesus' genealogy in Matthew chapter 1 that are from Canaanite blood, Moabite blood. He's quite mixed, but when I was growing up, I didn't know that. <laughs> Matter of fact, in my Bible, I just thought Jesus had blue eyes and he was white. That's just kind of the way it was. <laughs> so uh, I, didn't, I didn't, didn't question that until I began to study and read where he came from and realized that's probably not true. Amen. Brotherly love, sisterly love, what does it look like? How do we integrate with each other to come about with this idea of reaching across lines? It's interesting that God biologically creates us from one blood. And God soteriologically, or with the salvation study, redeems us with one blood. And pneumatology, the study of the spirit, pneumatologically, he transforms us with one spirit. So he biologically brought us all from one blood. The Bible tells us that. He soteriologically redeems us or saves us or, and unites us with one blood. And pneumatology-wise, or pneumatologically, he actually uses one spirit to transform and unite us together. So God is about one. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord. Don't get it twisted. There's only one. Yes, we believe in the Trinity, and I do too. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Bible says they work together and are as one. But yet, God created diversity from one blood. He redeemed and unified diversity with one blood. And he transforms diversity with one spirit. And allows us to experience uniqueness, a fingerprint, ability to be our own person while at the same time Making sure we understand that our brother, our sister, is right there, just a touch away. Reach out and touch somebody's hand, make this world a better place. Yes, you can. And when we think about the history that we have, in 1963, we recognize that Martin Luther King, in a Birmingham, Alabama jail, wrote a very in Genius letter. Have y'all have ever read that? Have you, have you ever read the letter that he wrote? Mm -hmm. If you haven't read it, you need to read it. I mean, that guy, you know, I, I always respected Martin Luther King. But the more I read that letter, I realize that either he lived in 2021 uh -huh. or God showed him 2021. Mm -hmm. 
Because everything he wrote in that letter in 1963 permeates who we are and what we're doing today. But what's sad about that letter is that most of the time, I'm grateful for some diversity, praise the Lord. But most of the time, when you come to our church or your church, you see some folks that kind of look just like us. Amen? Mm-hmm. Let's just be honest. Right. On 11 o'clock Sunday morning, one of the most segregated times or people parts of the country. And so when we think about Martin Luther King's letter, sitting in prison, Paul wrote a letter to Philemon while in prison in Rome. You're going to pray with me. And as Paul writes the letter, he's encouraging Philemon, someone that he actually mentored to reach across lines, to reach across master-slave lines, to reach across socioeconomic lines, to reach across in an area that you don't reach across. Not in Rome. It just doesn't work that way when you're in Rome, unless you want trouble. So Martin Luther King's in Birmingham, Alabama, and he's encouraging the white clergy, as he called them in the letter, to reach across. I need your help. Would you come by here? Somebody's praying, Lord. Come by here. And as he wrote that letter, it's just amazing. And he mentions something that's very interesting. He says, Birmingham is probably the most thoroughly segregated city in the United States. Its ugly record of brutality is widely known. Negroes have experienced grossly unjust treatment in the courts. There are so many unsolved bombings of Negro homes and churches in Birmingham, Alabama, that there's more than there are those that are just standing. Are you hearing me? This is in 1963. And he's asking, can someone reach across the line and give me a hand? I'm here to try to see what we can do. And he goes on to talk about how He's disappointed in what he called the moderate white culture. You know, there's always going to be the Ku Klux Klaners. There's always going to be those that, that are hateful just because. And he mentions this in the letter. But he says, I'm not worried about the Ku Klux Klan. I'm not worried about those that I know hate me. I'm worried about the ones that say they love me. But I can't find them. It's okay when you know your enemy. But it's different when you have someone carrying a gun as a soldier on your team, but they won't shoot. Hello, church. And he writes this letter, and he he goes on to say, my last major disappointment is the church. Now, he says the white church. He said, I would have expected that my white brothers and sisters would have come to help me in this injustice where schools or, uh, I'm sorry, churches and homes are being bombed. Children are being blown up. Where's the church? Now, that's 1963. I know you can say, Pastor Gilbert, we're much better today. And we are. In some ways, we are. But Pastor said, we've got work to do. Amen? 
We've got some work to do. And when we look at our history, we see that the Civil Rights Act was signed about a year later. And then a movie came out in 1967 called Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? 1967, December. Boy, I tell you, that ought to get our attention, shouldn't it? It did. Because literally five months later, they shot Martin Luther King after that movie came out. There were so many folk in the church that hated that movie. I can remember my dad talking about it. That's evil. That's of the devil. We got to stop this king man. Well, they did. But you can't stop the dream. Amen? You can't stop the vision, especially if it comes from the Lord. So in 1968, April, Martin Luther King was assassinated. In June, another person that a lot of the African-American community were hoping were going to help, Robert Kennedy, was assassinated just three months later. And so then you wonder, okay, Lord, where do we go from here? So then James Brown comes out with the song, Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud, just a couple months after that. And so we wonder, where are we going as a culture? Where are we going? And then Archie Bunker steps on the scene in 1971. And we wonder, where are we going? How are we going to do with this? Where is the love, God, you said, was mine all mine till the end of time? Was it just a John 3.16 line? Where's the love? And in 1972, a glimmer of hope came out. A song that was written back in 1954, but was made popular by Three Dog Night called Black and White. So in the middle of this history, I wanted to paint this quickly, and I'm almost done. We have to put the context of what Paul's saying in America today. Philemon is a master. Onesimus was a slave. He is now a runaway slave. He's left. He's gone. He might have even, some people uh, uh, kind of surmised that he may have actually stolen something or took something from his master Philemon in the Roman Empire here. You just don't do that. But he comes to Paul. And we don't know for sure exactly what the context was. Maybe he came to Paul a little bit like this. I can use some of my sanctimonious imagination. Paul. Philemon's not treating me right. I don't know what to do. He says he's a Christian. But he's whipping me or he's beating me. He's treating me like I'm not a brother. And I, and I well, are you, you know, he's a master. He owns you. Yeah, I know, but I need some help. The Bible tells us that Paul converts Onesimus. He gets him saved. He comes to Jesus. And then he tells the slave, Onesimus, here's what you got to do now. You need to reach across the line to your master. And you need to go back to him. Are you kidding me? Have you lost your mind, Paul? Didn't I just tell you what he was doing to me? Do you think I'm going to get away from the cross if I go back in the Roman Empire after stealing and after running away? That'd be the equivalent of something really major today that we wouldn't think of. Paul says, no, I'm going to write a letter. I want you to take it with you. And I'm going to tell him to reach across the lines too. 
And he tells Philemon, brother, fellow worker, Onesimus is my brother now. Well, Paul don't know what he's talking about because he doesn't know what Onesimus did to me. How many of y'all have someone that you just can't reach across to because of what they've done to you? And he tells the master and the slave to cross the lines. There's so many lines crossed in this particular story. There's political and legal lines. You know, probably here you go. Philemon's a Republican and Onesimus is a Democrat. Or you could say it the other way. I don't care. I'm just. And, I, and you're telling me that I'm supposed to love him? You mean you want Donald Trump and Joe Biden to kiss and make up? In Christ, can that happen? In Christ. But guess what Martin Luther King said? He says, you know, I don't care about that type of stuff as much. I do. I'm appealing to the church. It is on us to teach Joe Biden and Donald Trump how to love each other. Come on, somebody pray with me. It is on us at First United Methodist Church in Royce City to teach our mayor how to love. It's not on him. Now, he may be a Christian. I don't know. But I know one thing. You are under the sound of a great orator with relationship to the gospel. I know his heart. We are responsible. And not only does Paul say reach across political and legal lines, he tells them to reach across socioeconomic lines. Most likely Philemon had property, he had owned things, and Onesimus had, well, yeah, crickets. And you want, you know how this is going to look. Philemon, I want you to take him in as a brother. Well, he ain't going to do much for me. I mean, I'm going to be paying for everything for this guy. Well, I want you all to hang out, and you can just pick up the tab. What? I want you to buy the dinner. I want you to... <laughs> what? He's a slave. He didn't have anything. Paul, have you lost your mind? Not only... Has Paul told him to reach across those lines? He's telling him to reach across lines that could get him in trouble. Remember, Paul's a prisoner in the Roman Empire. Is he harboring a slave? Yes. What was the penalty for harboring a slave? Some of y'all already know. At the cross, at the cross. That's where he would be going. How many of you would die for righteousness and justice today? How many of y'all are ready to put it on the line for Jesus today? Are you ready to absorb the injustice of society in such a way that no matter who comes up to you, they know that you are not what the media says you are. You're different. She's different. She didn't treat me like that other person. She didn't talk to me like I was one of them. You know how they are, you know. She talked to me with dignity. She even picked up my grocery bill. I don't understand that. What does brotherly love look like? How does it reach across? 
And then lastly, it's colorblind. There was a movie that came out called The Blind Side. Y'all ever heard of that? And in this movie, it's very interesting. Little white lady, Sandra Bullock, runs across a big black guy, Michael Orr. This is his real name in line. She sees him out walking in the cold rain with, his, with her husband. She says, something's not right about that. Well, I mean, yeah, hopefully he'll be all right. Well, no, no, no I think something's not right. Well, I know, hon, but hopefully, we'll, you know, we'll pray for him. I won't ruin the movie for you, but she turns her husband around and says, no, stop the car. Gets out. Approaches this huge black guy. You got a place to go? Yeah. You're lying. Where are you going? To the school. Why are you going to the school? They have a bench and it's warm. Blind side. There's someone that has a blind side in your life. You know they do. You know they have a blind side. But you keep driving. You keep driving. We need to reach across these lines. My brother reached across. I've reached across. The only way it's going to change. Martin Luther King begged the church. And guess what happened? I'm going to give you something that you won't hear from many black preachers. Because the church was silent in 1963. The government acted in 1964. And if you want to know why we still have a lot of oppression, a lot of underprivilege, I just worked with some children that grew up out in a field for years. No roof, drugs, alcohol, no house. If you want to know why we have the trouble, Martin Luther King, Paul, didn't ask for the Roman government to step in. Neither did Martin Luther King. And I'm not necessarily either. I'm not saying that we shouldn't use the programs that we paid taxes into. But I'm telling you, Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And give to God what belongs to God. When will we stop looking for Caesar to do everything? And start reaching across. Speaking of the cross. At the cross. At the cross. We see a Roman centurion. We see the Jewish leadership. We see the oppressed people. We see Simon the African descendant carrying the cross. And Jesus looks out and he says, Father. Forgive them all. (laughs) They have no clue what they're doing. Stop thinking everybody knows what they're doing when they are acting like a fool in this country. I have to tell my wife every time when she gets changed, I don't know what I'm doing. Remember Jesus? And she, she just shakes her head. We need to reach across. 
The ink is black, the page is white. Together we learn to read and write. A child is black, a child is white. The whole world looks upon the sight, a beautiful sight. The world is black, the world is white. It turns by day and then by night. A child is black, a child is white. Together they grow to see the light. And now a child can understand that this is the law of the land. And now, at last, we plainly see we'll have a dance of liberty. A number one song in 1972 by Three Dog Night. Number one on the billboard. The most simplest song you could ever find, but it hit the heart of America. Let's reach across the lines. Shall we bow in prayer? Father God, we thank you, we bless you, we praise you. Forgive us, O Lord, for not recognizing that people have blind sides and that reaching across means love that comes from a brother or sister needs to be not looking at what it looks like on the other end. It needs to be somewhat blind. It just needs to reach. Just reach. Help us to reach across. Yes, Lord, we're kind of afraid because there's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of disgruntledness in our culture. But Paul tells us, as Jesus did too, love one another as Christ loved us. So Lord, forgive us today. Have mercy upon us. And as we continue to finish up, I want everybody's head bowed and eye closed, nobody looking around. If you would say to Pastor Chris or me, Pastor Gilbert, Pastor, pray for me that I would reach. Yes, I want to watch the Super Bowl, but Pray for me. I've not been reaching as I should. I've not been like Sandra Bullock and stopped the car of my life to figure it out. If that's you, with everybody's head bowed and eye closed, if you would just say, Pastor, pray for me to reach. Just raise your hand up and down. I'm going to pray for you. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. I see those hands all over. Anybody else? God bless you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody, God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? God bless you all over this building. God bless you. I just want you to pray for me, Pastor, to reach across. Lastly, you might say, Pastor Gilbert, I need to give my heart to Christ. I have been remiss in surrendering all. And I hear something the Lord is speaking to me today. If you would say, Pastor Gilbert, pray for me that I would rededicate or give my life to the Lord or rededicate my life to the Lord for salvation. If that's you, with everybody's head bowed and eye closed, nobody looking around, I wasn't just going to pray for you. Anybody would say, Pastor Gilbert, pray for me to give my life. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Anybody else would say, Pastor Gilbert, I want to give my life to Christ for sure. I want to make sure today that I'm there. Father, we praise you, we bless you, we worship you for all that you've done today, with all that you've done this last week. 
And I praise you for taking my father into your arms this past week as well. I pray that you would bless this congregation, and especially those that raised their hands. First Lord, those that have raised their hands and said, I want to reach across better. Help me to stop my car and check to find out, like the good Samaritan, like Sandra Bullock. Help me. I pray for them right now, God. I pray that you would touch their hearts, be in their homes, be in their minds, be in their, their cars as they're driving home, and don't let them go, Lord, in Jesus' name. And then, Lord, for these that raise their hand to make sure they're rededicating their life, they're giving their life to Christ. They want to make sure they're in the fold, in Jesus' name. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you are in the fold. You shall be saved. So, Father God, I pray that they're confessing and they're believing and they're wanting to be sure they're born again so that when you return, they unequivocally, without question, without doubt, know that you are their king and you are their savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen and amen.